I, I didn't want to accept it. And I didn't until they took me on to into the facility and handed me one of the hybrid baby babies. And then I realized that this is where they were going. All I could see was this light coming in. The Holy Spirit went. It blew into me. I have never been the same since then. That was it. I'm done. I was born again. Welcome to the Richardson Podcast. I am your host, Samuel Delgado, and this is episode 96. I interview Karen Wilkinson about alien abductions. She's experienced this herself, so she talks about the different types of beings, including reptilians, mantis beings, uh, and the greys. So she talks about the differences between those and uh, theorizes as to what they are. We also get into the hybrid breeding program, her experience with that, and uh, what she believes is going on with it. So with no further ado, let's get weird. Welcome to the show. Um, I must say that this is probably a topic that um, it's actually weird that I haven't covered it uh, in, in a great deal of it um, on this show yet. It's something that I think it's come up. Um, of course, aliens and UFOs. Uh, I've had one abductee that we you know hardly talked about when i had him on so i've not really done a full episode uh, on this topic and part of the reason is because it's very difficult to find um there's not a lot of people speaking out uh, about this at least from a christian perspective um and of course i'm not going to have anyone on uh, my show that's you know going to promote um uh, like a non-christian worldview so First, I want to say thank you um, for, um, you know, your willingness to share your story. Uh, I say that because I imagine there, um, and this is my next question, I imagine there, uh, there's a, a fallout. You know, I, I think with this, as I was alluding to, um, those that have had experience with alien abductions, uh, I imagine will not be so open to share these things because they don't want to open themselves up to ridicule. So um, what has your experience been um, speaking out publicly uh, about this aspect of your life? Well, first, let me say thank you so much, Samuel, for having me here today. I really appreciate it and all the good work you do. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to find um, other Christians who are speaking out about this. And that's one of the main reasons that I did this because there are so many Christians who want to talk to someone about this and you have good people in the field like Ellie Marzulli and Scott Mitchell and those people who are extremely supportive and helpful in this field, but to find actual abductees and experiencers who are willing to speak about it, it's difficult because we aren't received with a great deal of, with open arms everywhere. Um, especially because the bulk of the people speaking about this are doing so from a different angle. And I don't disparage anyone else who's brave enough to speak about what's happened to them, but a lot of people come at it from a very new age angle or that these are benevolent space brothers. And that is not how I feel about it. And that's not how many of us feel about it, especially in the Christian um, realm, because we understand uh, more fully the deception that's happening. 
so it's difficult because I, you know, I speak to a lot of different people on a lot of different platforms and, um, and they're not coming at me with hmm. their, with love when they feel like they want to just kind of tear apart my Christian foundation. Hmm. And, you know, and that's, you know, glory to God because God doesn't let that happen, <laughs> you know, but, but it's difficult, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm willing to do whatever God wherever God places me, that's what I'm going to do. And so, you know, um, I am trying to follow the path that God's put before me and it's sometimes difficult, but he is always with me. So that does make it easy. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I didn't think about, um, kind of you pushing upstream with, you know, kind of a different perspective than what we hear a lot of, uh, out of abductees. So yeah, I imagine that, um, that that can be difficult. Um, as I was stating before, I prepared uh, for this interview, but listened to a lot of the other interviews you did. So I, I don't want to rehash a lot of the stuff that you've already spoken about. So I'm, I'm I kind of okay. planned questions that um, that I was curious about and that you hadn't quite uh, addressed yet. So um, anyway, this this one um, comes from you describing uh, your experience uh, of, of being uh, taken. Uh, this is. Uh, something I've heard uh, from a lot of abductees that as they are lifted up out of their beds, they go through a ceiling or a window and you kind of describe that as um, almost like your, your body's kind of being shattered. And so my question for you was, it reminded me of um, the comic uh, superhero character, the flash does. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of his movies or if you no, read the comic or the TV show. Okay, so that was my question. He, um, he does something called phasing. And so, uh, I guess if you haven't seen that you won't be able to comment. Um, yeah. but it, it sounded, um, I don't know, maybe you can, you can I look that look up, up, but yeah, he, uh, it's, it's the way you described it. It sounds exactly like, uh, like the show. Cause he, he goes oh, through walls, but he vibrates, uh, as he does it. Um, oh. and I think he describes it as sort of just like, like his atoms are just, thinned out or kind of similar to what, what you were talking about. So it's kind of weird. That sounds um, really similar to what I described. I will definitely yeah. look at that. That's wild. No, unfortunately that really hasn't been something I've, I've watched. My kids are older now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I watch things, the grandkids, but I haven't watched the flash. So, <laughs> gotcha. um, so here's my next question is where, where do the aliens uh, stay? Oh, that's a good question. I've never seen where they sleep or I've never seen them eat. Um, but it, from what I've gathered, when I was taken, we were in, I was in another, I say we, because there were other humans there too, an underground facility. And I know that because we went into an elevator that went down and I was in that same place over and over again, many times. Um, and they clearly were there, you know, ensconced there. So um, I, didn't see any living quarters, so to speak. So I don't know if they go in and out into another realms or dimensions or something like that. Not, you know, that would be speculation on my part to even say, but they did seem to always be there. So my assumption was since they were always there, that's where they lived or stayed. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Because we, you know, we, from that perspective, they wouldn't necessarily be alien they would be earthlings they would just be <laughs> under right i mean if they're, right. if they're if they're here um and they're established in in bases under the ground then they're um 
it definitely is different than what most people, you know, think of when they hear alien is someone right. that's visiting from another planet. Um, exactly. So that's, I, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It is. I spend a little bit of time in the book to, defining some of the terms like alien and et and 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 that type of thing because a lot of people just group everything into one category and then it just becomes a misnomer because mm -hmm. you know it, it then it doesn't actually fit anymore but they just use it everything that everything that seems to come from somewhere we don't know is an et or an alien mm -hmm. and and it doesn't necessarily fit the what's really happening all the time yeah that's that's very true I've heard you speak about the grays um, and, and you came to the conclusion and you of course, correct me if I'm wrong, that they were, um, they were, you know, what we see are spirits that have inhabited these suits. Um, so two questions, how did you come to this conclusion and how can you be certain um, that these are, are suits? Okay. Well, for one, I've seen the suits just stacked in against a wall in a corner of a room, um, just like deflated, just stacked there, not animated or anything. Um, and then upon further research into that, I have discovered that I am not alone in seeing that type of thing. People have seen them hung up or in drawers, stacked into drawers or stacked on shelves and different things. So I'm not the only one who's seen them empty like that, which I thought was um, was very telling. And there, there are two different types of grays. There are that type that I described that seems to be just a biological suit. And then there's a type that looks similar, but are taller. They have more wrinkles on their skin. Their faces have expression. Their eyes move, things that the smaller grays don't do. The smaller grays aren't as animated. They seem robotic. The, their face doesn't move. They're, they don't have facial expressions. They, and they don't have any visible external organs and their bodies are so thin and they seem so brittle. Like, you know, what would you even fit in there, right? They seem very functional for just what they're doing, but not for a, a living entity um like no organs and then the confirmation for that has come through with the government saying that the um non the non-human biologics they have didn't have lymph systems or digestive systems and um that goes hand in hand with the fact that it's basically just a biological suit like an avatar that could house ai it could house demonic entity it could house an actual entity if it could get in there depending on the size I would assume so that is how I came to that conclusion and because there is a feeling you get and <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever been around anything that was truly evil um, but there's a very strong evil feeling that you get when you're around something that is of a demonic in nature and that feeling is so strong that comes off of these entities. It's just a feeling of, ugh, it's so hard to describe because it is just such a heavy evilness, just an ugly evilness that comes off of them. Um, and that 
is you know different from all the other entities that I've ever encountered these these shorter grays that I believe are avatar type suits and some of them don't smell good like some of them have a sulfur urine dead animal kind of smell to them some stronger than others but sometimes I could smell them before they arrived or before I saw them I knew they were there because I could smell them and I have since had confirmation from many other abductees on, on that as well so there are a lot of different um, things that add up to my conclusions on the grays. And just having been in their presence, they're just fully evil. They're just, there's no room for anything else. And, you know, they're just, they're very centrally focused on whatever task they're doing as well. So that's that's how I came to those conclusions. Hang on, so that leads me to a couple follow-up questions. When you say that okay. they're stacked up um mm -hmm. are they like folded up like clothes or are they just laid um just laid, out. laid out and okay so do they have like a zipper in the back like a costume or something no not, nothing like that that i saw nothing at all and i wasn't able to go pick them up and examine them this is from seeing them you know so i didn't get to go and do a careful examination and and identify anything on there that might have helped me to see how they got in and out of them, but no, nothing like that. Just, just a gray, you know, just so looks just like them, only slightly deflated. <laughs> not, not like a balloon would be deflated, but not as, not as rigid. Gotcha. Hmm. So I guess, do you imagine this to be like, uh, like some sort of a costume or clothes that someone steps into, or is it more of an actual body um, that someone would possess? I believe it's a combination of those two. I believe it is a functional skin biological costume. I mean, we can create skin in a lab, and I believe part of the reason that they collect the Biologics, the things that they collect from humans and animals, cattle mutilations, human mutilations, animal mutilations, the things that they collect from people like me when I was abducted, that's all tissue and things that they could use for that. Or they could use their actual tissue as well, because these things seem to have been fashioned after the other gray that seems to be an actual biological entity, normal entity. Um, sort of like when we create a human looking robot, you know, we fashion it after whatever human model we're, we happen to be using. And I believe that's how they, and why they created these, because if a ship goes down or something and something's going to get captured, they would, I'm sure rather it be just a throwaway skin suit than one of an actual entity that would then create more questions and more issues than, than being able to have one of these things doing the work for them. Hmm. That's interesting. So I guess the next question would be, um, why would one of these entities need one of these suits? Well, um, from what we know from the Bible, when Jesus walked up to the man who was possessed and said out, you know, and they're, you know, why are you here to judge us before our time, right? They didn't want to leave that body. So they asked to be cast into the pigs, right? They just wanted to be in something. Because if they're not in a body, then they don't, they can't interact with the tactile world. So any body is better than no body. And, um, you know, for, to that end, then 
a, a avatar type body. They have even more autonomy than in a human body where the human could possibly take control or, you know, have that demon cast out by somebody with who understands God's authority over that demon. Interesting. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. So you're thinking, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, better, so, better something than nothing. <laughs> no, yeah. You know. No, I'm, yeah, I'm following up. I mean, people, uh, I mean, I guess this kind of goes to what you were alluding to because you described um, a gray that would be a demon or spirit being that's possessing a suit as opposed to a different type of gray that does, right. that doesn't seem to be that. Right. Um, right. Now, this is, I've heard you speak about like starting to read David Jacobs. Uh, he has two books, but one that I have read, um, they, uh, they walk among us and you said that you weren't able to, you were kind of triggered and weren't able to really yeah, I uh, never get into it. it. Yeah. So, um, I have read the book and I have some questions about, I, I guess I'll propose like what he theorized, uh, and, and see, uh, if you can comment on it. Um, but his conclusion was similar to what you were saying. Um, he described a essentially different phases of beings, but there was one uh, which someone might just refer to as a reptilian, and he didn't have a whole lot of data on that particular um, being. But uh, he saw, I guess what he noticed was a pattern of going from a mantis being uh, to a human being, the goal being that the what he called a, a hubrid would be a being that could walk among us, look like a human, and be indistinguishable from an actual human, yet it would be a hybrid. But he called it yes. hubrid because you couldn't distinguish between uh, it and, and, and another human. So his theory yes. was that what we have in the greys is a hybrid of a mantis and a human being and the reason why there was different grays as you described tall um and and small is that these are different phases of of what they were trying to achieve is getting something that looked more mantis like to getting something that's more human like hmm. uh so yeah your comments on that yeah um that is a very interesting hypothesis um I don't tend to agree with that, um, and I'll tell you why. Um, when I was taken, I encountered and had a lifelong um, relationship, if you will, with an entity who I call my handler, and he appeared as human, but his natural form was of a reptilian, and he had the ability to change his how I saw him because for the longest time, I just thought he was a man, and then he did this thing where it was almost as if it was a screen in front of him and it just fizzled out and I saw his actual true form and I describe him in detail in my book. Um, and he was not anything that seemed hybrid or human at all. He had powers and abilities that humans don't have. And I've seen the different types of grays. I've seen those, um, mantis types that were always they were always farther away from me they would always be off on another side of the room watching everyone um never interacting with me or any other humans that I noticed but sort of watching over 
Um, I saw these um, Nordic type entities with the large eyes and the tall, thin bodies. They looked similar to humans, but not human, not human enough to, to pass as human. Um, but I, I really don't agree that that's the case. I think that they are utilizing their DNA from all of these different species to try to create a hybrid entity. But I believe all of these are actual species. I believe that these entities are and are species that existed before us, before humans. I mean, the, the one that was with me my whole life, he never seemed to age. He never seemed to change. Um, and told me, you know, things, but that didn't ever indicate that he was any kind of a hybrid being or partially human at all. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, I think that's a great hypothesis of his, but I don't think so at all, especially because I've seen, you know, the hybrid entities that I've seen, the hybrid babies that I held, my hybrid children that I saw didn't look like any of those very specific types of non-human entities. They looked partially human and partially, you know, non-human. I mean, the eyes were so big and the skin was so different and the hair was so different. But so now I, I don't agree with that. I, I believe that the alien entities that I've encountered, aside from the shorter grays, I believe that they are fallen angelic entities. I believe that these are actually entities created by God that are are far superior to us in the way that the angelic entities of the Bible are, um, and that they are here trying to interfere with the human bloodline, going back to Genesis 3, 3.15, going back to the seed war, um, and going into um, you know what we know in the future is going to be the Antichrist who will be a hybrid. And I do think that they're working on that, but I don't think that the greys are a, a hybrid being at all. No, or the, or the, uh, um, the reptilians that we said he thought were hybrids as well. So yeah, to clarify, he he believed that the reptilians were simply reptilians and the mantis were simply mantis. Mm -hmm. um, like he saw the hierarchy as the reptilians being at the top of the hierarchy, mm -hmm. then the mantis underneath that, and then you know most sense. of I the see. smaller grays he kind of described mm -hmm. as kind of like your workers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the smaller grays that I think are like the avatar bodies definitely are like workers. But the taller, older grays that I have been in the presence of, they <clears throat> were not, they did not seem to be any, they seem to have a lot of authority. They would order around the shorter, smaller grays. They would tell them what to do. They seem to be working hand in hand with the reptilian entities and with the Nordic entities, the only ones that I saw that seemed to have some sort of superiority were the insect mantis type entities. And sure. they definitely seem to have some sort of that. So, so, well, I understand what he's saying. And also I don't see anything in the, sorry, in the um, gray alien entities that looks like a mantis entity or a reptilian entity. So I don't, you know, they don't have any of the features that are similar at all. Nothing about yeah. them looks hmm. at all similar. So you think some hmm. of those features would cross over? They're not human hmm. enough to be fully human. So those other features would have to come from somewhere else, right? Well, the the reptilians, the rep mantis do have a really large eyes, but 
the reptilians don't. And the, yeah, it's just none of it, none of that quite adds up for me based on what I've seen. And yeah. the taller, older grays definitely had authority over the smaller, shorter grays. Absolutely. Yeah. Did. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did, he didn't think that the they were hybridizing the reptilians, only the the mantis, yeah. the mm -hmm. mantis, and I, I guess that was his theory is that the the grays had the large head and eyes, and the and it seems like there were iterations that became less mantis and more human like, mm -hmm. um, but but he that was the whole basically his whole theory of the book was that um, the purpose of the abductions was to create the hubrids that would eventually um just integrate and i agree with that i and i agree with that and i agree that that's what they're doing i i absolutely do um i do agree that there's a program that they're trying to do that and trying to create hybrids that will fit i mean if they're going to eventually you know create an antichrist then they're going to have to be able to get the genetics just right and if you follow along with, you know, in, in Revelation, and I know you are familiar with um, Ryan Peterson's work. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yep. and, and so that's kind of what I'm referencing there. That is not my field of expertise. So I, yeah. I certainly won't delve into that, but, but I, you know, but it does dovetail into this breeding program perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And he is, he doesn't have the Christian worldview. He, he takes like the, they're here to take over, you know, the, the planet basically, I think is, um, what I remember. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure on that one either. So, <laughs> yeah. So my question, uh, you know, you mentioned this not being your area of ex expertise, but I've heard mm -hmm. you talk about, um, you know, how you might interpret Genesis six. Mm -hmm. Um, and my question is, um, how much of that was developed prior to you um, connecting with L.A. Marzulli? Oh, quite a bit, quite a bit. Yeah, I had already had my um, thoughts and feelings on that, my research, and 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 have gone back and forth on it. So, you know, for me, it's definitely not a sticking point because I see so much in the Christian community that's becoming dividing people. You know, flat earth, round earth, Sethite, you know, fallen angelic, you know, watchers, whatever. I I just, anything that seems to divide the Christian community, I don't want to participate in because I want to see my Christian brothers and sisters worshiping God and being saved and sharing the gospel and not fighting over details that aren't, you know, that are going to stand in the way of us being able to help one another and help bring the gospel to others who need it and want it. And, and so I try to stay out of those discussions and fights, but I have come to my own conclusions through my own research and read a, quite a bit on both sides. And I've gone back and forth <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. a bit, but, um, and I, I just think there's so much we don't know. And I think there's so much information that we don't have. There are, there's sure. a lot that's, that's not there. There's a lot that's missing. And I think that, if God wanted us to have all of that, we would have it, but we don't, you know, um, there are some parts of Genesis one and two and three that, and four up, up to there that I'm just like, it just seems like there's so much missing. Like, how did you get a man? 
how did God give her a man? And did God give her that man? I, you know, or did she get confused? Was that another trick of Satan? You know, there's so much we just don't know. Sure. So we, I, I, I try to be careful with that. But I'm happy to discuss it in whatever capacity you want. I just, sure. yeah. I don't like to be divisive in any way, especially with my Christian brothers and sisters. No, yeah, no, I was just curious. Um, so I, I will ask a, another question on that topic, um, because uh, so you do take the the fallen angel view. So my question is, um, just from your perspective, if because um, from that perspective what we see with the Nephilim would be a, a hybrid. And then we're kind of seeing that same phenomenon happening um, now, you know, according to your experience. Uh, so my question there is, um, why is that look so different? Uh, it seems like when we read the biblical account, they're, they're just here manifested on right. the earth and they're right. just having children outright whereas now with the abduction um experience it's very you know uh behind closed doors it's a totally totally different kind of thing so my question is uh, why uh the difference um why um and then like why now and you know where why is that not continued, I guess, throughout, um, you know, I guess, why hasn't there been a steady stream of, of this, um, you know, hybridization right. throughout uh, all time? Right. Um, okay. I'll approach this and um, make sure I hit all so your just points. To, just to clarify, was yeah. it, you know, why, why is the experience okay. different? And then essentially, right. why, why all of a sudden is it happening again? Right. I think that what we have with, if you go back to Genesis 6, then you go back to the days of Noah. What we have is a complete lack of knowledge of what happened during the seven days that Noah was shut up in that ark and what the differences are in our world from pre-flood to post-flood. We don't know because we have the Pentateuch because Moses was able to get that information because everything was destroyed at that point, right? We don't know how, what the world was like before Noah. We don't know how advanced they were. They quite possibly were more further technically along than we are today. Um, you know, but everything was destroyed. So we don't know if it ever rained before Noah, but indications look like it probably didn't. We don't know if they were more technically advanced, but based on what we're finding in our earth, in our world now, it looks like they might have been. Um, so there are a lot of open spaces there that are way open for interpretation as to what changed and how. But whatever changed, it changed so drastically that it changed their ability to cohabitate and integrate with people. So you've got, first of all, you've got eight people starting to rehabilitate the earth so they don't have as many people to choose from. And then you've got a change and we don't know what changed, but clearly some, there were some major changes during that time. And then in like in Daniel chapter two, I think it's verse 43, it says, you know, that, um, that it would be like the days of Noah, but they would not cleave to them and that word cleave refers to the marriage contracts of the days of old when they 
the sons of God came into the daughters of men. And I know that comes back into the fallen angel versus the Sethite view. But, um, and I think I have it here. Is it Daniel? Daniel. Um, sorry that I have to look it up. But yeah, Daniel 2, 43. Um, when it talks about mingling iron and clay, that they would no longer cleave to one another. Um, and so that identifies that there's a difference in that they can't just come in and take wives and cohabitate. So even if Seth was not human in the way we're human, do you know what I mean? If he was a different kind of human or if it was fallen angels, whatever it was, it the changes that happened made it so that it could not continue on the way it had been before. It became more and more difficult for them to cohabitate or procreate with a, with a human person. And so it doesn't matter which, you know, which path you take on what was cohabitating with humans. It became more difficult, in my opinion. And, you know, not as many people to choose from either. Um, so there are a lot of obstacles in the path. And it took a long time for the world to repopulate and for them to figure out, okay, how can we procreate? We can't go down there on the surface. Can't live with them. Um, because I have never seen any of these entities that I've seen underground up here on the surface. Not, and I, I can't find anyone else who's seen them up on the surface either. Yeah. So was there a change in our atmosphere that they couldn't come back up? You know, why are, why are they down there or up there in the ships? You know, these are questions that we just don't have answers for. But clearly things have changed and clearly it's very difficult for them to create a viable half them half human entity and or to create a modern day nephilim and certainly one that looks human enough to walk among us and you know we've seen different iterations of that with the black-eyed children which were the ones that came from my egg that they took my eggs that they took looked like the black-eyed children and then i you know they're they've gone down different iterations of them where i think they're getting to the point, it sounds like, where they do look human enough to be just integrated into society. And how much human DNA does it take to do that? And at what point are you no longer human, you know, and and are you, you know, how much DNA change does that take? 1%, 20%, you know, what, what does it take? So I, that's, you know, there's, I don't think there's a good answer to that question. And, and I don't think it matters what, how you believe it came to be. I think it's just that we know from our Bible and the biblical literature that we have that a lot of things changed and we don't have any, we have a lot of gaps that aren't filled in. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, if I'm, that if I'm following you, if I'm following you, the, the, you know, uh, the judgment of the flood changed it to where uh, they weren't able to continue the way they were. And it, it's taken them uh, this long, right. To figure it out. Right. Um, so my next question is about, you know, something I actually heard you say in another interview about the the breeding program, um, which I guess I need some clarity because what I've heard you say today is that you do agree with David Jacobs that they are integrating um, into society. I agree um, they could definitely, yeah. I mean, and I've, I've got a friend who's seen one and been in in the presence of one that was human enough to integrate into society, yes. So, I mean, of course, again, he takes the secular view that this is like a 
they're here to take over. So right. I guess from, from, from your view, why would they want to integrate? Right. Well, um, I agree with the, um, the late, uh, Dr. Um, I've lost my, my quote, but I agree that, you know, they are, there are a couple of reasons. One, you know, they weren't able to stop Jesus from being born. They weren't able to corrupt the seed of man to stop his Jesus from coming. That didn't work. They weren't able to, um, do that, but they, what they can do if they integrate in society, if they're able to create more, to create these entities, they can create this perception that they are our benevolent space brothers, that they are our cedars, that we don't have a God, a creator God, but that we have a source and that there are cedars and that they are the, you know, part of the source and that we all need to elevate to that level and, and, you know, become one with them and, and follow them and let them give us whatever implant will help us live forever and that type of thing, you know? So I think that the idea of having hybrids walking among us creates this vast number of entities that can lead people astray and lead people away from the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of God, the truth of our creator. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, when, um, and, and I, I, can't believe that I'm my mind is just frozen on this person's name, but the um the late Dr. Chuck Missler, that's what I'm talking about, um, had a quote, Satan's building an army. He's outnumbered two to one. And if the if Satan falls with a third of the angels with him, then he is outnumbered two to one. And these entities fill in that gap. They start filling in that two to one outnumbered. Because not only is it he outnumbered in the angelic realm, but then you've got all the people and he knows he's lost. He knows the word better than we do. You know, obviously if you've ever met anyone who is a Satanist or anything like that, and I have, they know the word better than we do. They know that Bible backwards and forwards. They know how it ends. They don't have to believe it, but they know it. But Satan knows he's already lost, but he wants to take as many of us with him as he can. I mean, his, his finest hour would be to make it like the days of Noah, where the world was all corrupt all the time. People were doing evil all the time and keep as many people away from salvation as he possibly could to lure people away from the biblical worldview. I mean, that would be, the, if you can't win, at least you can go down with as many points as possible. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. I've always understood the, the Chuck, Chuck Missler, uh, as, Satan creating an army, mm -hmm. I imagine to to fight. Are you saying that that this is um, is there a physical aspect to this fight, or is it is a simply just spiritual deception? Well, we're physical, so you know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But we wrestle. We are physical, and in our physical lives, we're wrestling against these principalities and powers. So the fight is both physical and spiritual. And the fight is not just in their spiritual realm, but you know, yeah, I, the fight is for every soul he can get. And every soul is a physical person. So if he can lead one person astray, that's a good day for Satan. You know, and if we can bring one person to Jesus, that's a great day for us, you know, for God, not for us because the glory goes to God, but you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. You know, that that battle, that army, that army can be humans 
who are working on his behest. It could be hybrids who are working on his behalf. It could be in fallen entities who are working on Satan's behalf. It could be anything, you know, you can fill an army. If you've got spaces, you're going to fill them with whatever you can and whoever you can. Yeah. Um, can a hybrid uh, that a woman carries get impregnant, uh, get impregnated? So, uh, uh, yeah. Like if you have a hybrid child, could they uh, carry? I don't know. That is a great question. I have never seen a pregnant hybrid. I don't know if it's like kind of a donkey and a horse getting together and having a mule and that mule can't procreate. Um, so I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the question goes to the, uh, the hybrid kind of situation, right? I mean, once you, right. once you have, if you have anyone that's going to integrate any hybrid mm -hmm. um, would produce another hybrid. And the question is, uh, you know, that, that would bring, I guess, David Jacobs takeover theory uh, flat, you know, if they, if they can't, if a hybrid can't, you know, reproduce. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and, and it's a non-biblical text, it's a non-canonical text, but if you look at it for historical reference, the book of Jasher, I think it's in Jasher and Enoch, there is a, you know, that this type of hybrid begat that type and that type, you know, and, hmm. and I don't put a lot of weight on that, but it does that one indicates that there were hybrids at one point that could procreate. So who knows? Yeah. yeah anything yeah. on that would be speculation on my part. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems that there was a breeding program. It wouldn't be necessary once they've already right. created a hybrid, right? Um, yeah. If they, if could, the hybrids if they could just could... reproduce themselves. So exactly. If the hybrids or if the they create about? clones that could do it, they wouldn't need to be um, abducting people. But I think yeah. there's a missing element. I think the element that's missing in in reproducing and that God gifted to us and that we are given and taken a marriage and that we can reproduce is that he graces that that baby from the moment it's conceived with a soul, with a spirit and a soul. And that is God's grace that does that. That's not us. He gave us the pieces and he puts them together, but that part has to be there. And if that's not there, then I think, you know, you're not going to be able to continue on. The The hybrids that I encountered seemed soulless. They had, it was like there was nothing behind their eyes. They were mm -hmm. evil. They were cold. They were, they were just devoid of any kind of emotion whatsoever, except for this feeling of contempt the only feeling i could feel off them was almost like a heavy contempt or anger almost but there was nothing tangible other than that that i could feel off of them so you know it made me feel like they didn't have they didn't have that soul that spirit that we have that just inherently even you know we we've, we've all known some people in our lives that are kind of evil or kind of mean or bad but even those people have a soft spot somewhere. Everyone always says everyone's got a soft spot, right? Yeah. That soft spot's your heart, your soul, that love that God puts in there. And, you know, so I think without God's blessing, it would be very hard for, for them to procreate or create anything that would be useful. Yeah. No, yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. Um, so next question, um, are the reptilians the only alien type that are capable of shape-shifting? 
Um, I don't know. The only ones I've seen shapeshift are the reptilians because I personally had one that was with me, but I don't know. Um, I don't have, I'm just trying really hard to think if I ever saw the only other ones that might be able to do that, that I've seen that looked funny were the Nor the Nordics. And I have long had this question in my mind about what I was seeing because I would see Nordics and they would, they would, uh, it's, it's like, uh, um, Hologram. Thank you. I was trying to think of the words. Sorry, my head cold is getting to me. They almost sometimes looked holographic, like they were, like it was a hologram and, and I could see a reptilian form with them. So I'm like, are they shape-shifting too? But mm. I, you know, I wasn't in a position where I could be like, hey, you come over here. What the heck is going on with you? You know what I mean? I wish I could mm. have asked a lot of questions that I didn't get to ask. So now I have to take everything on. I got to see this, but it didn't make a lot of sense. So, but as far as I know, the only ones I ever saw shapeshift were reptilians. So for sure, I know they can. The other ones, maybe the Nordics, maybe they all can. I don't know. If they're fallen angelic beings, which I suspect they are, then there are a whole litany of, of, of things that they can do that are just so far outside of our understanding. And we're dealing with entities that are far advanced of us and that, you know, we look in the in the Bible at what angels can do that they they can come and sit and eat and drink food, but then they can walk through walls and they can appear and disappear and they can you know, change form and and those types of things. So, um, and they can have relations and everything else too. So, there are so many things that they can do that doesn't make sense to us because we can't do those things. We're not of that realm. Yeah, I got you. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically, if if uh, if reptilian can shapeshift, then there's no way to know, right? If what you're looking at is in fact a reptilian in a different yeah. form. So form. You, you get, but you I don't think they can where... be up here in our atmosphere because I've never seen him up here. Because hmm. if he could have come here, trust hmm. me, he would have. Because when I finally found my way back to my Christian faith and I was able to stop these abdu unwanted abductions they tried so hard to get me back and and hmm. bargained and begged and pleaded but he couldn't come physically here cuz that would have been his trump card would be to get here physically in the same room with me because you know he would have known he would have had more sway over me and i mean i know that that's not the case but he would have thought that do you know what i mean but yeah. he didn't and he couldn't and, you know, because I think if he could have, he would have. So I really don't think they can be in our atmosphere and our sunlight something. I mean, I don't have the the details as to why they can't be here, but they certainly can't. Yeah, that's wild. That is so wild. Um, so I mentioned earlier uh, David Jacobs' conclusion about the reptilians being at the top of the hierarchy. Um, what's your comment on that? Yeah, I think that um, they're definitely in a um, high position in within whatever these entities' rankings are, because they seem um, very, they, they were much larger than most of the other entities, and they definitely are much more powerful than the other entities. They're very um, 
muscular in build and they were very tall, like six to seven plus feet tall. They and and so in that in physical stature alone, they seemed more powerful. Hmm. But um I do think that the insectolin, insectoid, I don't ever know what to call them. Um I called them the corner sitters when I was little because <laughs> they that's where they were always were, back on the side of a room or in a corner somewhere, not you know, not getting in the way, but I think they're at the top of that hierarchy, quite honestly. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, so, you know, I've heard you kind of just alluded to the grays being soulless kind of, and, and, and it's really weird reading what Jacob, David Jacobs had to say about the grays. Uh, almost everyone has that same experience with the grays, that they are, you know, very evil, um, uh, and, you know, soulless. And, you know, he talked to them as if they have like a, like a hive mind that they're not individualistic at all. It seems like that they are able not only to communicate telepathically, but it seems like they're like, none of their thoughts are secret. So like kind of individuality is, is was like a foreign concept to them. Um, that has nothing to do with what I'm asking you, but, uh, my, my question is, um, I guess comparing or contrasting the reptilians to the greys, did mm -hmm. you find that they too had uh, this inability to love or um, are they different in that respect? No, they're definitely different. The, the reptilian um, that I was with displayed what, I mean, I had a Stockholm syndrome basically type relationship with him while I was being taken. Um, but I felt like he displayed towards me feelings of kindness at times and affection. And and I felt like it was genuine. I mean, I, wa I think maybe I wanted it to be more than anything else because I had been around him for so long and, and through so much. But I, I definitely felt you know, he absolutely had his own thoughts and feelings and wasn't a part of a hive mind or anything like that. He seemed to be, you know, working with his own thoughts and independently and, and not, you know, not in some kind of group think or anything like that, for sure. He seemed very independent. Hmm. Okay. I'm at, uh, we're, so yeah, we're, we're moving through these, uh, through these questions. So I have two more that I guess are, um, yeah, a little bit more, uh, personal. These are, um, kind of critical questions. Um, I think, I think they're, I think they're valid, you know, when we're, we're discussing this, um, maybe, you know, many listeners are probably asking these questions, uh, as well. And so I've heard you talk about, and, and even, you know, just from breeding, um, there's a, another researcher in this field as well, other than David Jacobs, but they both use, um, hypnotherapy to, bring about these memories that have been suppressed. And so that seems to be how, um, you know, these case studies are, are, are done um, is because of the, the trauma associated with the events. They're often um, sometimes forgotten. And so through the, the, the hip, hypnotism, um, you know, they're recalled. Mm -hmm. um, I've also heard stories that you've shared these as well, where they can plant false memories. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I mean, that's pretty wild, but, uh, naturally the question for me comes if, 
we're dealing with, you know, memories that are being recalled and also knowing that we're also sifting through false memories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how can you be certain that your memories of these events are not either imaginary or have been implanted? I mean, how That's- can you distinguish? That's a great question. And yes. So yeah, I never went through any hypnotherapy. The memories that I have from them or just always been with me. And some of them were the type that I didn't want to fully remember. And until I had enough PTSD therapy to let myself just be okay with them, then I could let myself work through those things. And and a lot of things I didn't share in the book and I don't share with other people. They're just too dark. But, um, and then there's some things that I won't let fully come back into my mind because they are so dark. And then like, I feel protected by not letting myself fully remember. Like, I know it's there, but I don't want to think about it. Cause if I think about it, then the whole thing will just be there. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and when it's that dark and, and yeah. so, okay. I, you know, I know what happened. This was the beginning. This is the end. I'm not going to let myself relive any details, that kind of thing. Um, when I was given screen memories or false memories, the difference between that and the memories of the time I was with them and what was going on with these entities is that the screen memories would always be of something that I was familiar with in my normal life. So it might be of me going to um, the beach or going to a carnival or sitting in an auditorium and watching um, a movie on a screen and feeling like that's where I was the whole time and replacing what they were doing with, it's like keeping your brain busy with something else so they can get on with the work that they're doing. And, and I figured it out when I kept having the same beach thing where I'm like, I'm at the beach again, but it's not a dream. It's so real. Right. I'm there, but I knew it couldn't be real. Right. And every time I would go down to dig in the sand, I would come up with something and I would look in my hand and I would have a bone or something that was not something you would find on the beach in my hand. Hmm. And I would snap out of the screen memory that they were having my brain go through and see where I really was. And this happened, I don't know, half a dozen or so times in that same place where I was. And they kept trying to use that same memory on me. And there's a couple other times where they would replay that same, not that one, but a different memory of something else of me being in the driveway at the farm house and, um, you know, walk over to this tree. Now sit here by this tree. Oh, your grandpa hid coins under the tree, you know, so we want you to look for those and, and kept doing that one over and over again. And, you know, but something would happen. Like they would do something that was painful. My body would respond to that pain. And all of a sudden, I'm out of that screen memory. So I learned to differentiate between that. But the the thing about the screen memories are, it's not like I have this memory of being taken and, and what they were doing to me and being on the, on this, this cold steel table and having them do examinations of my body. And that's not a screen memory and it wouldn't do them any good to put that kind of a screen memory in my mind. I mean, what good would that do them? A screen memory of what they're, of something like that, that, you know, I can't see any, I can't see any purpose in doing, giving someone a screen memory of being abducted and experimented on, which is what they were doing. 
because that's not the kind of thing they'd want you to remember anyway. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to to make it. Yeah. So the screen memories they use are just of things that were benign that didn't have anything to do with them or them taking me. And, and so knowing that, you know, uh, finding myself in those familiar places again, I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to give in to this because I don't want to know what they're doing to me right now. And I kind of got to that mindset in certain periods of my life where it's just like, you know what? I'd rather just be sitting on this beach in my mind instead of knowing what's happening right now. Hmm. And because it's a protective mechanism, because the things that were going on with them weren't pleasant at all and weren't wanted. And, and so if I can have go somewhere pretty and nice in my head, then I'm going to do that. You know, it's really hard to talk about these things and let alone live them. So when your brain gets a chance to have a vacation from it, you take it, you know? And I think I did that quite a bit just to, instead of fighting it. Yeah. In in my mind, when I hear false memory, I kind of think you, you have the experience, you get back, you, you, you wake up, you know, the next day and you remember doing something, um, and then later figure out that you didn't kind of what you're describing sounds to me as if they're trying to keep you outside of your present um, experience of maybe being operated on and therefore they they put you somewhere uh, right. in your mind so so in that I don't I don't know they don't can, know if memory is the they have I don't know what the term for that is but to, to to do things like they can they can move their hand over my forehead or or my eyes and I could feel happy or sadness or pain would or or you know I'd be in pain and they do something like that and the pain would stop or elation or joy or ecstasy they they have this weird ability to to create these feelings in us and mm-hmm. and I guess it's not that different than like I hear now there's some kind of a government weapon that they can. Uh, fire at people and give you a headache or make you throw up or something like that. So I'm wondering, is this along the same line? And is that where they got this technology that the government has now? I don't know if you heard that. I just heard that the other day that there's some mm-hmm. kind of directed weapon they can do and it makes people vomit. Um, I haven't yeah. done any research on it, so I can't speak much on it. But, you know, I'm just like, oh, God, that sounds just like the kind of things that they were doing, you know. So... They have this really crazy ability to affect our nervous system. So it doesn't affect your heart or your mind, but it affects your nervous system. And your nervous system is a tricky thing. I mean, you can have a leg amputated, but still feel your leg there. You know, um, it's that that's your nervous system playing tricks on you. So they're utilizing the bodies that God gave us to trick our minds into believing something that's not true. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, so uh, this is, uh, again, another critical question. Um, you know, I've heard a, a, a lot of accounts, um, you know, similar to yours. We have, you mentioned it in passing, your hybrid children. Um, so I guess my question is, do you have any tangible proof of your pregnancy, like an ultrasound or anything 
uh, that you could point to to you know for someone that would say perhaps you know you weren't actually you know pregnant right. this didn't happen i mean i could go back to the doctors and see if they still have all the records of the pregnancies because i went to my actual physical doctor's offices yeah but this is 40 years ago things were done differently there were a lot of paper records i had you know i mean when i lost the first one i had every piece of paper from every doctor's appointment i had every little note i made in my calendar the grief of losing that child meant that i couldn't have those reminders with me you know what I mean? That it was heartbreaking. So every mm -hmm. time, if I had kept that stuff for myself for my records, I would have just cried every time yeah, I looked yeah, at it. Yeah, you know, I had to let that go, and I didn't have a child to bury, so that was the only way I had of of letting go. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. And um, so every time it happened, I went to the doctor. I mean, I had prescriptions because that you know back then you had to get a prescription for a prenatal vitamin which means you had to go through a blood test. Everything was proven. Sometimes you got to hear the heartbeat. They didn't do ultrasounds at every appointment back then because it was still really fancy technology back then. So I didn't have, you know, ultrasounds every time. Sorry, sometimes I just get so, I still get really emotional when I talk about these because the, the pregnancy was just, things were just, it was the hardest thing. And mm. gosh, I have, I have talked with and, been comforted by and comforted so many women about this. We have just, you know, it's something that bonds us, the pain of, of going through this. Um, so somewhere out there, there's proof. I mean, you know, I went to the doctors, I have all the test results and, you know, positive pregnancy tests and, and what have you. And, and, um, but I didn't save all of my records at the time because it was just too painful. Yeah. So, and I didn't have anything to bury because there was no fetal tissue. Yeah. But when you're still testing positive, pregnant, but there's no fetal tissue in your womb, but you still have the HCG hormone in your blood, that's got to tell you something, you know, mm -hmm. because that doesn't just go away when the baby's taken. You know, it takes a while to get out of your system. Mm -hmm. That one time, you know, I'm still testing positive. There's no baby in my womb. So they're in there doing exploratory stuff, thinking maybe I have a tubal pregnancy that the baby's stuck in one of my fallopian tubes because they oh. can't figure out why I'm testing positive for pregnant. I have all the symptoms and signs. I've already been to my doctor and I'm in the hospital, but they can't find a baby in my uterus. So they're looking, they're looking all over for this baby that should be there. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's, I think it's probably harder now for them to get away with that. And I think that they have an ability to, fertilize and nurture those eggs outside of a human womb now hmm. more than they did before. Hmm. I don't think, you know, the, and the human body is designed to reject something that's not right. And I also believe yeah. that's why they take them before they end of the first trimester, because hmm. that's about the time when your body's going to say, there's something wrong with this. Right. It's not a viable baby in your body expels that and you know god created us that way so that if something happened it would be a you know a kinder way and then god would take that child so so i think that's why they take them when they do i gotcha all right well i have a one follow-up question and then i think i guess i have a, like my last question um my follow-up is did you did you know that that was um 
like a a hybrid child in your womb at the time and uh like i guess we'll stop there did you know it was hybrid at the time Uh, no, I did not realize at that point in time that was a hybrid. I thought I was pregnant with a baby from my husband. Gotcha. I was married and I was yeah. very happy to be pregnant. And I thought I was having a child with my husband. And, mm. um, and so I was overjoyed, you know, sure. I had no yeah. idea. I had no idea. Gotcha. And I, I didn't believe what I kind of knew was happening. And I even had, <laughs> you know, there's just so many reasons why I should have I, I didn't want to accept it and I didn't until they took me on to into the facility and handed me one of the hybrid baby babies. And then I realized that this is where they were going. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. Um, this is my last question. Um, I actually heard you, I think we were talking to Scott, you, you, you talked about this. Um, and I didn't plan on asking this, but just kind of uh, came to me, uh, just now, I, I think you were recalling your experience and mentioned being abducted and then essentially, you know, returning. Um, sometimes you mentioned that the return time was a few minutes prior to your actual abduction. So you had sort of like a, uh, deja vu type type experience for those few minutes that overlapped yes. um i have i uh, forget the guy's name but there there are accounts of of people that are taken um and abducted for the purpose of like i guess human slavery i don't know any any way to say it but they They'll, they'll take a person uh, and have them essentially work. Um, you know, they, they need people for labor and then they bring them back after like a, a 20 year, um, 20 years of service. They, they bring them back to, you know, so like, you know, I'm abducted as a 10 year old, I live out 20 years and then boom, I'm placed right back into my 10 year old, you know, self. Um, have you heard of any of that? Or, um, you, I guess, do you have any comments as to the, uh, yeah. Have you heard of that? No, I, I'm trying to think. It sounds really familiar and that I've heard of that somewhere along the line, but I have no, I've never researched that and I've never spoken to anyone who's been through yeah. that. Yeah. So I don't have any, any real knowledge of, of uh, any research on that and that, you know, and to my knowledge, nothing like that ever happened to me. Yeah, um, yeah I would not like something like that. That's terrible. Do I think that's possible? Absolutely, because time isn't the same for them. And it isn't the same when we're outside of this dimension that we live in, that God's given us to live in. I mean, I could say that from my when I had my near-death experience or my near-life experience and I was outside of my body, time there was no concept of time. Time didn't exist the way it does for us. This is such a, this is such a tactile thing that only applies to us here. And it's such a limiting thing as well. You know, time puts such limits on everything that we do, our mathematics, you know, our physics, our everything is limited by time, you know? So, um, yeah, I, but I don't, um, I don't doubt that that could happen. Yeah, but I I I would love to talk to someone who that has happened to, but I have not yet. Yeah, 
his name is uh, failing me for a while. He was he was just doing uh, interviews, and I think he got enough requests for a book that he ended up actually writing a book about his experience. Um, and I think I think others have come out, and um, he thinks that some people are kind of just piggybacking off of, of his experience uh, mm -hmm. or making it up. But um, you know, I think that the the term that's been used for that experiences 20 and back um his name okay. is rod rodriguez rodriguez um something something rod it's spelled like rodriguez um okay but it's I'll uh, look that up. it's not it's not it's like rodriguez with like a like g-u-e-s wow. it's like rodriguez or it, it has a weird okay. pronunciation um that's how you spell it um anyway um follow up on that you so you mentioned a uh, different dimension there uh earlier you mentioned you know when i asked you kind of where where they stay mm -hmm. you being taken underground pretty much just here um mm -hmm. on earth so uh i guess did you have different experiences um or would you uh account for that underground taking place also in a, a different dimension or realm oh good question um the underground experiences i had seemed fully in our physical realm everything was very physical and very tactile um but i do believe that they have the ability to come in and out of this realm that we live in um i have had since i was able to you know with god's help through God, be able to stop the abductions. I have had attacks happen in an astral realm, and that is very different and very scary and very real, but you very much know that you're not in this physical realm, but you're also very conscious during it. And it's, it's, it's that's something that my friend and author Vicki Joy Anderson can speak at great length about, and has, she's been extremely helpful to me with that. Um, and she wrote a book called They Only Come Out at Night. And she's a Christian author as well and extremely knowledgeable in that in those things. But um, so I have, but my experiences with them when I was taken in a ship or when I was taken underground, while there were things on the ships that were very different to what we have, especially the way those ships responded and reacted, which makes me question if... We might have been in a different type of realm. Yeah. The underground experiences seemed fully physical in our realm. And especially right. there were so many humans around hmm. too, you yeah. know, so, and everything was very tactile, you know, just all, yeah. everything had a smell and a feel and a, and, and physical form and everything else, just, gotcha. just normal, like what we, and time, you know, I definitely felt time moving there as well. Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. Um, so actually what you just said about uh, Vicky reminded me of a question that I had that I did not ask. I, I think this has been the one question I skipped. Uh, and that is why, why do these experiences happen uh, at night? Seems like that's the, the norm. Um, right. What's your analysis of that? Yeah. My analysis of that is a, it's easy because if people in a household are already asleep, then they can put this, you know, they have this ability to just make everyone else go into a deep sleep and the person they're taking won't be missed. 
especially little sure. children. Yeah. Because yeah. if I had ever woken up and found one of my children missing, I would not be quiet about that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I would have the whole world looking for that child. Um, so for one, I think that's one of the reasons um, as to not be detected. Yeah, just, you know, just I mean, you're not going to be seen. You know, the world is most of the world is asleep at 3 a.m. or used to be the case. You know, we live in a much more 24-7 world now than we used to. And I think that's why there are a lot more sightings and a lot more things that get caught on camera and things happening than we haven't seen before because the world Mm -hmm. is much more mobile and much more 24 seven than it used to be. Sure. So, so I think it's changing their, it's forcing them to change their tactics a little bit as well. And I think that's forcing the hand of some of the disclosure and confirmation that we're seeing from the government as well. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, that uh, that is it for the questions that I have. I want to thank you uh, for coming on um, and, and talking with me today. Uh, I'll invite you to uh, you. You've written a book, so you yes. can share. Uh, please do share that and, and anything else you'd like to share as far as uh, any, anything else, uh, you know, how people get in touch with you or anything else that you've yeah. written or topics. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, the book is Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. And it is available exclusively right now at lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Um, you can find it through my website, which is my name, K-A-R-I-N, Karen Wilkinson Um, And there are links to all of my social media and to the website to buy the book through there. You can find me on Facebook at Karen Wilkinson, K-A-R-I-N. W-I-L-K-I-N-S-O-N. And you'll know it's me. You'll see a picture of the book in the background in my face if, you, if you're watching this. Um, and on Instagram, it's Karen Wilkinson Author. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, find me on my website. There is a, um, a contact me page. Actually, I think that's how we met, Samuel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do get back to everyone who reaches out to me if you ask me to get back to you i will i will do my best to get back as soon as i can it does take a while sometimes depending on you know how many i'm getting in that in a certain day so um it can take a while but uh, i do get the messages usually and um i will get back to you so for some people they just want to share a story or just you know know that they're not alone especially for other experiencers and abductees just to know you're not alone and that there is a way out you can call on jesus and these things will stop they will go away Mm -hmm. and that's the most important thing i always say don't go calling on these things don't go looking up for them because they you're out of your league you know we are out of our league with them but not when we have jesus on our side then we're okay so you know that's that to me is the most important thing is just for everyone to be safe to be saved and to know that they're not alone and they're loved you know and uh, and oh i also write for ellie marzulli's monthly newsletter so if you subscribe to that you can see me in there and and i'm in the fourth movie in his ufo series on abduction phenomenon and the sixth one in that series on cattle mutilations as well Mm. so if you want to hear more of of this you can find me in those movies as well right on awesome (laughs) cool thank you so much um So, yeah, I'll just invite you to close us out in prayer. Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this time of being together, of sharing and sharing your holy word and sharing your love. We give all the glory to you, Lord. Thank you that this interview was fun and insightful and 
and a good time with a new friend. Lord, I pray that this will reach the right people, the people who need to hear and the people who are looking for answers today, Lord. Thank you for your perfect will in our lives. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray, amen. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with somebody you know. And with that being said, we'll catch you on the next one.